0: This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by Nathan. He might not be able to duke skip, but if you ever need a Dark Souls speedrunner, he's still your guy. Nathan, the official Dark Souls speedrunner of the Good Ship Brothership. Oh. And now on to the show.
1: I need to get Kleenexes, I'll be back. Okay. It's recording.
0: Oh. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Good Ship Brothership. I'm one of your brothers, Jason, and the other brother, Grant, is just getting Kleenexes for his stuffy little nose. Um, this week, we are once again having a bit of a, an odd episode, but maybe we shouldn't even oof. Maybe we shouldn't even call these odd episodes because this might be what the show turns into. Um, Grant and I have been leading exceedingly um, busy lives the last few months. And that really shows no sign of letting up. And hey, that's okay. That's the way it goes for a lot of people. And we've been saying to each other, you know, the show must go on. We have no interest of stopping the show. Hello. But at the same time, we have no interest in continuing the show if it stops being fun and it starts being stressful and feels like a bit of like a burden or something like that. So we came to our conclusion that the show can continue if we change the format. So kind of going from here on out, and you can, co- you can cut in if you think that you have something else to add, Grant. Yeah. From here on out, we're going to be still doing our old reviews when we see fit if there's something that really interests us, but we will also be mixing in these other topics and discussions pretty much whenever we feel like it. I know previously, um, when we did the trading card episode, for those of you that listened to that, we said that maybe we would alternate episodes. We're now thinking, like, what the heck, we can do what we want, this is our... Our property. This is our world. This you, is all, y'all yeah. are
1: just living in it.
0: Yeah. So, one, however, one uh, pleasant byproduct you guys might get is we might end up having shorter episodes because some of the discussions, like today, <laughs> I don't think we're going to go that long today. This remains to be seen, though. It remains to be seen. Because but...
1: we've tried repeatedly to get our episodes down at the 45 minute mark and it's, it doesn't happen.
0: That's true. So um,
1: Let me just say, Uh, reviewing things and finding... Well, researching, finding things to review, finding new and exciting and interesting things to review, be it film, music, gaming, literature, um, is very time consuming. Extremely. We would would love to keep doing reviews and that sort of thing in every episode, but it's just not feasible for us to, to do the research, to listen to the whatever... Um, whatever the item is, and then make notes on it, that sort of thing. So if you guys want to help us out and you have any suggestions of, of of stuff for us to review... To cut out the research part. To cut out the research yeah. part. That makes it way easier for us.
0: And we have received some good suggestions. I know that Caleb gave us a few suggestions that we haven't capitalized on yeah. yet. But, but we're we, banking we will
1: some. Caleb, if you're listening, we are going to be doing
0: that. Oh, we um, had this... Uh, gentleman with whom we are associated, I work with him, Caleb, suggest, among other things, that we should tackle kind of like the rise of superhero movies and the move of comic book culture from kind of the niche into the mainstream. And although neither of us are really comic buffs or superhero buffs, I do think that would be a cool topic for us to tackle just because we could look at it not from necessarily a hater standpoint but from maybe more of a like from the outside looking in it would be interesting to hear our observations yeah and the show format too we're gonna we might mix and match a little bit so we've been discussing taking a topic maybe just like that one that wouldn't warrant 45 minutes or an hour but maybe 15 or 20 minutes and discussing that and then doing one review instead of our traditional two review format so yeah that's just kind of where we're at um, we hope you guys are okay with that if you have any other suggestions or any feedback, please let us know. We have an email, which is thegoodshipbrothership at gmail.com. That's right. Or you can message our Facebook page, thegoodshipbrothership, or our Instagram page, which is at thegoodshipbrothership. Right? Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. And I, th- I do think that this will be a good thing. Yes. I'm really looking forward to these to these uh, chats. It's fun for us, especially because yeah. we don't like see each other. In our normal daily life anymore. And it allows uh, some of our individuality to come through. Reviewing stuff can get a little tedious, especially when we know what each other's opinions are. Th- this wasn't like necessarily a problem we had right. in recording. But it's a benefit of moving Listening to, the new format. to yeah, yeah, listening to two back to back reviews you know of the same thing yeah kind of what he said yeah yeah i kind of agree with you sure. uh, i just want to say yeah so it i think it might cut out a little bit of that and maybe spice things up a little bit and make the things that we do review things that we're really excited about
0: and if we're really excited for reviews and discussions it's going to reflect in better podcasts in general as opposed to if you're reviewing something you're like This is something I've been meaning to get around to. Exactly. We tried to do Hilo by Jack Stauber. I mean, maybe we still will. I don't know. But I kept trying to listen to it. I'm like, I can't. I'm not feeling it at all. So it's
1: kind of... And that would be something we'd discover a lot is we'd be kind of forcing ourselves to listen to music or watch movies or something. Even when we really didn't feel like it. And that's
0: when you get really mediocre podcasts, too.
1: So anyway, all this to say... I think that this is for the good of everything. Mankind. Keeps the podcast trucking forward, keeps us chatting about stuff that we're really excited about and into, and uh, and gives you, the listener, um, kind of a broad buffet of topics to to hear us talk on, as opposed to just, you know.
0: With that in mind, should we roll the
1: theme music? Absolutely, we should. Um, Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I kind of can't believe that we're actually still using this. Almost two years later.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then we were like, can we should we change it to a different one? And then we went, no. Hey, do you remember which one we used for the Gabber Jabber? It was four I wanna say it was 42, but like I could be incorrect on that. Because of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Also, I listened to one of our old episodes and we're kinda singing along with this a bit and it's super annoying. So I made a mental note that I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Was it annoying? Pardon? As a participant, I didn't find it. Oh, me neither. But as a listener, I found it very annoying.
1: You're aboard the Good Ship Brothership, the only arts podcast that covers film, music, gaming, literature, and at this point, really everything. (laughs) (laughs) The only arts podcast that isn't restricted
0: to arts or... You podcasts, know, Yeah, or podcasts, yeah. This is going to be a broad hey, a Broadway show. Hey, write this down. We should do a topic on other podcasts we listen to. That would be so good. Mm. That's a very good idea. I'm other your brother Jason, and he's your other brother Grant. P-Casts. Um, oh. We're going to have a, more of a veggie-themed sh- show mm-hmm. moving forward. The only P-Cast, or is that medical?
1: I like a Beamcast cast myself.
0: So today grant had the idea i mean we've been toying around with permutations of this for a while yeah okay what are you saying
1: i was trying to broadcast the the like the kind of theme of the episode to you so grant and i
0: have some similar interests and some different interests and this is kind of like a mix of both of those Mm -hmm. we've both been getting uh through different avenues into old or outdated technology We really should have gotten two drinks um but thank you yeah you're welcome um
1: Dead tech. Yeah. Dead technology. We've both kind of in our own, through our own pastimes, wound up using dead technology to achieve our our pastime or to participate in, in some of the things we're passionate about. And for Jason, it's film camera, uh, or film camera, jeez, film cameras, film equipment, film photography. And for me, for writing, it's been typewriters. And, uh, it's just kind of, it's interesting to me. You got into film cameras a little bit before I got into typewriters, but not like you didn't really start using them.
0: I've been like collecting before. them for a couple of years. Yeah. Just cause I keep meaning to get around to shoot, shoot more of it. I'm very, very into photography in general and the majority of what I shoot is digital. I'm not a, not an analog snob. But I had these cameras sitting around for a long time, and you're kind of, like, afraid to use them because it seems harder than it actually is. So then, yeah, the last few months I've started to get into it and shoot more film and get developing and stuff like that. I'm going to start developing myself soon, too.
1: So we are going to just kind of... I'm going to kind of interview Jason on his experiences and thoughts uh, with film photography. Jason's going to talk to me a little bit about... Typewriters and how that maybe affects my writing process or just why I uh, enjoy them. And we're going to hope that it's uh, kind of interesting for you guys. So in order to uh, determine the order of operations here, we, ought, of course, have to flip the puppet as always.
0: Now, I think the answer is clear. I love um, face-up photography. Yes. Because Face- yes. Cause the eyes... Yeah, like the lens. Yeah, You're not going to leave the lens cap on when you take a picture.
1: I don't think we've ever disagreed. <laughs> once. On, I know we
0: have once. On which like direction the puppet should be But facing. at least 90% of the time we agree, and that's a little bit awkward. I love the fact that
1: there are people who are coming to these podcasts, by the way, and they have no idea what we mean by flipping the we puppet. We flip
0: the puppet, literally. Yeah, we literally flip the puppet. How much puppet. simpler can it get? Okay, okay ready? Flip the, pop- flip flip the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been a Pirates of the Caribbean reference. Okay, okay, okay photography. photography. <laughs> Go ahead. So,
1: Jason... Um, Here's what I want to know. So before before you got into film photography, you'd been into photography and like participating in for it. For years. For years. So during that time, what were your thoughts on film cameras and film photography like in a modern sense? People who used it Still. or were enthusiastic about it. Uh, yeah. So as a photographer pre-film. Yeah.
0: What were your thoughts on it? I mean, I think you have misconceptions and then things that you have no business being so right about, (laughs) but you still are, you know? And I'm not tooting my own horn, or maybe I am, I don't know. But I think, in general, you see a lot of people when it comes to film photography who are, they're not into photography, they're into film cameras and film. And in a way, there's a a sort of admiration that you have for somebody who's so enamored with the machine Mm -hmm. and uh, the gear. I think that some people think that liking your gear as an artist is like a terrible thing and it makes you somehow less than somebody who ignores the gear and only focuses on the medium but i think it's like i've always been mechanically minded and hands-on and i think there's nothing wrong with viewing the gear as like the primary reason you enjoy doing an art form um you know the tactility of a piano or the feeling of a film camera
1: and that's interesting too because um i i wonder if that's more of a photography kind of point of view because in the guitar world which I'm, you know, have been entrenched in for coming up on 10 years, the mm-hmm. electric guitar world, the um there are some people like who take that old school jack white approach of, you know, you should have a crappy guitar because it makes you fight and the and struggle is what, you know, produces the art. But most people are totally the opposite and they collect guitars because of how they look. Or the features they have, or how they play, or how they sound, and that's like so married into the music that's created with those tools.
0: Right. Well, what I was discussing too was my conceptions, not necessarily yeah, no, the way. It, not necessarily the way it actually is. I'm just saying that it's interesting how those conceptions differ from right medium to media. Yeah. So yeah, that was my conceptions that it's primarily a gear driven thing for a lot of people. I never would have made a blanket statement that that has to be the way it is for everybody, and then. Moving into, I'm going to bounce back and forth here, now that I have gotten into it a little bit more, it's a bizarre blend, the balance between loving the technology and loving the art form. Because in some ways, I think that digital people are way more hung up on the gear because they're more focused on fidelity a lot of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. And I think film has this awesome duality about it where it's undeniably a more mechanical and a more like visceral way to take pictures just because you have the film you see it right there when you're loading it in you never see like you have an SD card on a digital camera the or the
1: shutter the shutter opens and closes and you know you've just exposed a section of that film yeah
0: like it's a very physical tangible thing it, yeah it really is um and don't get me wrong you can make like even just fidelity wise we watched a documentary yesterday and some of these old photos from the 60s look like they were made today Yeah, they really do. But I think a lot of times the fidelity becomes a little bit less um, the focus of the photograph. Pun intended. Yeah. And the feeling, um, the atmosphere, or even the composition of the photo comes more into, into view. Because depending on the camera you're using, much of shooting film is just simpler than shooting digital. Once you get used to it, mm-hmm. um, you're less hung up with shooting it at a certain exposure so that you can tweak it in post production like you would with digital, and you more just shoot what you see, especially if you're using you know like a little film point shoot camera, and I think that's one of the big one of the big draws. So I guess that was one of my main conceptions about it was um,
1: that was that uh, it was. It was a pursuit for people who cared more about the equipment than the photographs?
0: Yeah, and I think in a way that's true, and then in a weird way that's not true. It's So so for you it was,
1: uh, oh, look at these people. They're kind of sculpting an image of themselves.
0: Yeah, sure. Or, they're, or even they're more uh, artisans than artists, and I still think in a way that's true, And but at the same time I wouldn't be surprised if the film community leveled the same criticism as at the digital community it just seems to be also pun intended to contrasting communities in terms of what one looks at um as their as their primary focus such as technical fidelity for digital the other people think should come secondary right to the atmosphere or whatever and sometimes both of them are right sometimes neither of them are right i don't know so so uh, for
1: you where on the scale of like um importance do aesthetics fall i mean i think it depends because sorry you come up to me all the time with different cameras jason bought a large amount of film cameras from an auction like an estate auction not too long ago and and you come up to me regularly with a new one you've kind of just rediscovered Mm -hmm. from purchasing because you're kind of sifting through and figuring out which ones to sell and which ones to keep and which ones to try out next, and you come up to me all the time with them and you say, look at this, check this out, look at how, you know, check out the feel of this dial as it turns, or uh, the look at how um, intricate this gauge on the side of it is, and it's true, they are like Swiss watches, some of these cameras, and it's like, it's incredible almost that something with the simple or the seemingly simple function of taking a photograph would have so much effort and care put into the little aspects and details and some of them just straight up are very beautiful so yeah uh, i have
0: a hunch that you'll say that it's fairly important to you but so the cool thing about photography is that what you can do and people do this it's pinhole photography is you can take a box and you can take a piece of unexposed film and you can put a very tiny hole on the side of the box basically and using just that you can make a photograph like a legible photograph if you just uncover the hole for a period of time and then cover the hole back up so the function of a camera is very simple when it comes down to image quality to be super reductive i'm not going to get or i'm going to try not to get super tech nerdy image quality basically comes down to two main functions which are the sensor um and the quality of the lens the quality of the glass the awesome thing with film is the majority of film and all of what i shoot is 35 millimeter film which Mm -hmm. is what most slrs are you can get crazy slr is single lens reflex it's like it's
1: a a, an average camera or a smaller ish camera
0: yeah From there, you can get medium and large format cameras, which are insane and awesome, but I'm not going to get too much into them because I don't know as much about them. But with 35mm film cameras, the awesome thing is they all have the same sensor because the sensor, quote-unquote, is just a strip of film. So the only other image quality component is actually the glass. Mm -hmm. And there's so much good glass for these old cameras at reasonable prices that the awesome thing is a lot of the cameras have image quality that's awesome so this is a roundabout way of saying that for a lot of old cameras image quality is not as important as new cameras just because with new cameras you're obsessed with the resolution and the dynamic range and none of those are factors in old camera bodies right so like 75 percent of why i like an old camera is how it looks and how it feels Mm -hmm. to me i'm like i have probably 20 old film cameras that I've gotten for free or cheap and pretty much all of them have great optics so they're all they will all take beautiful photos so after that the only thing that really matters is it like is it beautiful does it make me feel something when I look at it and how does it feel and to me the feel is the be-all end-all and that's where little touches come into it like we were talking about I have one camera I have a Miranda Sensor X and it has a little window, as most cameras do, to indicate which shot you're on for your roll of film. And like we were talking about, it's just a teeny window and then a little indicator with numbers, right, to show what shot you're on. But the window is actually a slight magnifier just to make the numbers look slightly bigger. Mm-hmm. And the whole effect is maybe like a 5% increase in perceived size. Yeah, But it's just little touches like that that are it's so just, cool. It's one of those things where you have to ask
1: yourself, did they have a prototype of the camera without this... Tiny little magnifying lens, and was somebody using it, and they looked down and went, "I wish that was slightly, slightly bigger." It <laughs> was like three, and they went larger. back to the committee and said, "Guys, we need to, <laughs> we need to contact the factory that makes the glass components or whatever. They need to machine us tiny, tiny little magnifying lenses." And it's that kind of like extreme care that goes into these, and you, you don't. I mean, you do see that in. I guess in cell phones they are very intricately designed sure, and, yeah. and other things like that. But there's something about the um, the involvement of doing that and yeah. the the um, real world fact that they went and changed a physical part. Because with phones, it's all well and good. All phones look pretty much the same. They all pretty much have the same features. Right. Uh, nobody's really I mean, you know, iPhone tries different dumb things like long skinny screens and whatever, but you just don't generally see that kind of commitment to to uh, the finest user experience possible.
0: I mean, yeah, the cool thing about analog cameras, I guess distilled into a single phrase, is they're actually super steampunk. When you think about, like, if steampunk is defined, and I don't know if this is the dictionary definition, but it's how I think of steampunk, as, like, it's a lot of things that seem almost unnecessarily over-engineered you know film cameras have this where there's really very little required of them even if you wanted a top quality image you can build an extremely simple camera but then you start to get like the counter-rotating knobs where like you turn a knob and then there's a a dial that's concentric inside of it that turns in the opposite direction. Yeah. Cause someone engineered it so that there's a system of gears in there that reverses the direction. Like you don't need that, but it's it's sweet.
1: Yeah. That's, I guess that's part of, part of it too, is it's all so extravagant, but it's, (laughs) it's so much more too than just getting somebody to punch in a couple lines of code Mm -hmm. so that something functions in a slightly different way. Like there is a physical difference that that you can really feel and see. Right. And I totally get that as somebody who doesn't use film cameras. Like I enjoy photography with my phone because you know, I just I don't have the drive to get into it any further, but I do like taking pictures. Mm-hmm. I understand from a basic very basic level composition and that sort of thing. But I can hold these cameras and go, "Wow, this one really has a leg up on this one because of the care and attention to detail that was put. Sure. In yeah. Now, so you had this, uh, perception of film camera users while you were self or a photographer, but somewhere along the line, you decided to get into it. Do you know, can you pinpoint what like the catalyst for that was?
0: I mean, I think you always want to, I think you hear, you hear all of these totally vague and, um, really just throw away phrases that film photography has more soul or it has a better mood or that it helps you learn the fundamentals of photography, which is garbage by the way i don't I don't believe that I think that's the opposite of what's true um and I think you just think that you would be it would enrich you as an artist and it does just not in the ways that I think people said it would. And I mean, when my, when our grandparents moved to like a senior's place, I got like my grandpa had kept all his cameras for like decades. So I got like seven or eight cameras from him. And then that really sparked the interest where it was like, let's, you know, I really want to make it kind of personal. Yeah. Cause I was like, these were my grandpa's. He traveled to Israel with this camera and he traveled to Holland with this camera or whatever. Um, but at the same time, people make film photography out to be this thing that's so far vaunted above digital photography that it's intimidating Mm -hmm. because you're just like oh well i just all i do is all i do is digital stuff which in reality is actually far more complicated um but there's definitely a perceived barrier to entry that doesn't really exist
1: so that moment you'd say was when you got like grandpa's cameras and and uh it became like more of a personal quest for you or it meant something more than just using the equipment yeah
0: i mean at that point i definitely thought that i would start getting into film even though it was uh, like a a year and a half after that that i actually did just because you know you're so intimidated by the idea of it and you think it's going to be super expensive and it's kind of expensive but not really yeah i would say that um okay
1: so what would you consider to be film's strengths and weaknesses?
0: I know you could go yeah.
1: on for a long time on this one. Yeah,
0: but at the same time, like, it's simple but nuanced at the same time, right? I think the biggest strength of film is the way that it, makes, it does make you so much more intentional. Mm-hmm. Just because the biggest strength, one of the biggest strengths of digital, among other things, is the ability to take as many pictures as you want of any given scene and I think you should when you're shooting digital but the strength of film is that you actually think about what does this add to the role like if you think of the role as like a moment in time portfolio and your portfolio is like your greatest work of all time right but you try and think of each role of film as like its own self-contained body of work Mm -hmm. and you think what does this frame add to this body of work and in some cases if i see something i think is like absolutely stunning maybe i'll take three different shots from different angles but you want to conserve right because every frame costs you anywhere between you know a dime and a quarter or something but there is an actual value attached yeah so you're so much more intentional And I think that that actually makes you a much better shooter because you have to keep your brain turned on. You have to be involved in what you're doing. You can't just spray and pray. Yeah. And I hate that term because I think that that's super demeaning of people who make This is I could talk about that for a long time too. People talk about spraying and praying, which for those of you who don't know, is taking lots of pictures with a digital camera. Kind of Mm self-explanatory. But that, I think, is one of the film community's biggest weaknesses is they're so vitriolic towards... People who like to use better technology, which digital yeah. just is. Yeah. And I think, like, not... To... So
1: do you, do you think that digital is better for photography? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, like... But do you, but that depends on your... Uh, would you not say that that depends on your... Um, the way you approach photography or your use for photography
0: of course like i mean saying it's better for photography is super vague yeah what i mean for better for photography is if i could only shoot analog or digital i would shoot digital in a heartbeat yeah because i think i can make images that are at least as good if not better and i can have an equal amount of fun with it and i can take more pictures but it depends like If you're not making money off your photography, then the primary reason you're doing it is probably just for self-fulfillment. So if you find analog photography more fulfilling, then analog is better for you. That's like the end of the discussion. So I guess like I immediately said that digital is better and I would stand by it in terms of like the objective metrics. But really, whatever's better is whatever you like more. It doesn't have to be justified in a way.
1: Uh, do you think that your love and your use of film and film cameras is something that you'll grow out of? Or do you think that it's something that's like got its way into your bones? Do you think that it's something that you're going to keep doing for, you know, the rest of your life?
0: Um, I don't know. I think I figured out a while ago that, that like the best way to lose interest in something or the best way to lose a passion is to try and cling on to it when you're not feeling it. Yeah. I think that that's something I've successfully done with my piano is to allow it not to go away, but to be comfortable with it waning a little bit and be getting put on the back burner. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'll ever stop using analog cameras, to be honest, unless somehow it gets technologically prohibitive, which I doubt. yeah. Um, but I think that I will like the rate at which I use film is going to vary like wildly over the years. I shoot film for a while and then it makes me really want to shoot film and then I think it's expensive or I get an idea that's better for digital and then I shoot digital for a while. So I don't think I'm going to shoot film for another year and then never go back to it again, but I might shoot film for a couple of years and then set my cameras down and do digital or maybe mm-hmm. I'll be into painting then. I don't know. Yeah, it could be anything. Um, digital is such a compelling medium to me just because you have the... Opportunity, like it feels like a privilege after you go from film to digital, you have the privilege to create in the moment and afterwards. I think that's super underrated for digital. People understand that post production is cool, but like the opportunities and the ability that you can be creative in the moment with something and then also um, manipulate it but still retain the core of what you did earlier mm-hmm. at a later date is extremely cool. And I think that's probably the biggest reason why digital will be more prevalent for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's see,
1: I guess I've kind of got like a two part last question, which is actually in reality two questions, but uh, what is it about, about film and that process and the gear and everything that keeps you coming back to it, that keeps you using it?
0: Um, That, I think, will change over the coming years. Right now, it's the fact that I know I can get so much better. I just find it's really an intoxicating feeling when you're, like, um, chasing, like, you're, like, climbing up this mountain and you know, you can see where you're headed and you know that you're getting better, but you're still where you are for now. And I think... It's really exciting to get like an envelope of prints back from your lab or if you do it yourself to look at the negatives um, and to see what you did right and what you could do better. And I think that is one of the really compelling things. And then the other one is just that it's so different and so complementary to digital. I think it really bothers me how all the podcasts I listen to and all the forums you go on or whatever seem to put film and digital at odds with each other. Yeah. But I think they're both best when you enjoy both of them together. And I think that film helps me make better digital pictures and shooting digital makes me excited to shoot film again. Mm-hmm. And I guess it keeps me, what keeps me coming back is the fact that digital and film photography bounce off each other in my mind and make me more excited to do both. Yeah. I think that's the real benefit of it over anything else. And last question, do you
1: have any, like, holy grail film camera that you, like, are,
0: are desiring or that you want to acquire at some point? I kind of made a deal with myself that sucks. <laughs> that I have to either, like, shoot every camera that I have before I can get any others. Or if I'm not going to shoot it, I have to sell it or get rid of it or something. Yeah. And with the amount of cameras I have, it's going to be a long time before I can go shopping i think that the nikon f3 and f4 are super cool the f3 is like the epitome of a workhorse standard slr and the f4 was like the first sl the first professional slr that started to incorporate really strong electronic elements and it's this weird stepchild that's partially digital or like partially electronic and partially mechanical and it's super cool Probably the biggest one right now is I really want a Yashica D, which is a medium format camera, like one of the a twin lens reflex camera that you hold down at your waist and look through. So it's for those of you who,
1: it's <coughs> excuse me, it's one of those kind of box style cameras, and on the top, on the front, there's a lens, a circular lens, and on the top, there's like a hatch that pops open, and you look down into the camera and you see through. Uh, the viewfinder that way,
0: right? You see through the top lens, yes. and you take pictures with the bottom lens. That's yeah. why it's a twin lens a yeah. reflex. Um, so I'm that would be one of the top ones on my list. I mean, there are so there are so many. Everyone wants a Leica, and they either admit it or they already have one or they hate it because they can't afford it. Because <laughs> like suit if you want one that's like newer than 1960 and older than 1990, it's pretty hard to find one for less than a couple thousand bucks. But I don't know. They're just beautiful. Throw a Leica M- M6 in there or an M4. But I have a pretty good stack of cameras now.
1: That you do. And uh, and that concludes my questions for you. And while you ready your questions for me...
0: Right. No, this isn't right. This is
1: the wrong... Right. No, hold on.
0: Yes. Yeah, it was that one. Right. Wait, hold on. It was the chill one. No, not that one. It was the one that was like a bowl. Yes. Okay, yeah, there there we go. You're listening to the Gabber Jabber.
1: Alright ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to The Gabber Jabber. This is the part of this podcast where we right. dig deep into the uh, treasure trove that is Canadian Netflix and we give you a recommendation. Uh, this week, um, yes. what do you think, we need to do right. this or?
0: Do the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I don't think that we've talked about, hold on. Just get that quiet, nice and quiet in the back. Yeah. I don't think that we've talked about Nightcrawler yet. But it is on Netflix, and for goodness we sake... We reviewed it. <laughs> did we? Yeah. Did we actually? I think so. Oh, whoops, that's awkward. <laughs> okay, so Night Crawl is on Netflix. So you have to check that out. It's super good. Um, I'm going to go for... Hmm. Let's... Uh... That's awkward. I totally forgot that we... Oh. That we, I uh, thought you were gonna
0: I was like it's still a good recommendation. We can review stuff that we or we can recommend stuff that we reviewed like a few months ago. Nothing wrong with that.
1: I guess that's true but you That's know, my stance regardless. It's it's... It's I have started watching the Netflix original series Maniac which is think, to too. be a very a very interesting kind of psychedelic sci fi. It incorporates elements of the past and the future I'm waiting to see how it all ties together. It's a little slow moving. To to see if it even makes any sense or if it's well written. But for the moment, it's proving to be very entertaining and very watchable. Uh, Emma Stone and Jonah Hill starring. Both fantastic. And, and both of them are very watchable and uh, and likable. Especially Jonah Hill. So that this has been the Gabber Jabber. Uh, thanks for listening. And... Uh, Next time, I might uh, recommend Hail Caesar or uh, *Or The Constant Gardener to you. Okay, now it's my... Okay, everybody listen to this. That's me ripping up my interview notes for Jason. And you will not hear him do so for me, because my notes... I can just tear a piece of paper. T- ...were typed onto a piece of paper by a typewriter you like my
0: segway there? That's good. Have you ever used a typewriter in the bathroom?
1: Uh, yeah. What type a sentence or two in there. Why?
0: That was just my first question for you. Yeah. Is that the weirdest place you've used a typewriter? Uh,
1: well, I mean, conventionally speaking, probably, yeah. Well. I haven't used one in a car yet.
0: I feel like that's almost... Well, you get car sick though, so there uh, is that. I don't
1: know. I don't get sick like I used to. Now I can read in the car, but it's playing video games like on the Vita or something with the motion, contrasting the motion of the vehicle that makes me want to throw up.
0: So what is it about typewriters that you feel adds to your writing process? Um, the way I describe it is that
1: you know, for those of you who, who do know this, it's old news. For those of you who don't, hear some old news from the people who know me. Um, I I... I'm in a band, a sleeping band, a hibernating band. But I've played um, quite a number of, you know, live rock and roll shows. And the thing that I equate um, writing, you know, novel format with a typewriter to is playing live music. Every every note you play, every letter you type is there. It's there before you. It's on the page. And there is a, a far greater... S- feeling of gravitas toward each word that you that you type there's like a commitment behind it so so you, it slows you down and it kind of forced me to relearn how to write and how to find my voice again after after working on a computer where I could just I was falling into this uh, process of write a paragraph edit it write a paragraph edit it working with a typewriter makes me Um, makes me take a lot more time and think a lot more over each word choice and forces me to be very intentional so why not just write by hand like you used to do that um writing by hand the thing with the typewriters that i enjoy above writing by hand is speed legibility and tactility probably first and foremost so the speed i can type now with the typewriter faster probably than i can type on a computer because i'm disused to typing on computers
0: disused yeah unused unused disused no yeah i'm unused to using that what are you talking about it's disused (laughs) no it's not you're arguing with the writer (laughs) no it's not Disused, no No longer being used. But you wouldn't say I'm disused to using a keyboard. I'm no longer being used. Try unused. Unused. Unused Unused is what it is. Unused. No. Unused, not being, never happened. Not familiar with. Oh well, can I guess then? I'm unused. (laughs) That doesn't even. Unused. That doesn't feel right in my mouth. I mean, he's (laughs) he's unused to his working environment. You know. Okay. Doesn't feel. uh, I stand by that. It that doesn't feel right in my mouth. (laughs) Disused.
1: I'm already not enjoying this interview.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm attacking you. Roll you roll in
1: here with no notes. Yeah. So the speed, the legibility, obviously, you know, it's way easier to read typewritten notes or pages, and they're kind of formatted nicely. They kind of look like something printed off, because they, they have a great look to them. They do. But they're very readable yeah of course and uh and the tactility the tactility of typewriters is is maybe the thing that I enjoy the most is just the feel of of the keys and it's really hypnotic uh,
0: just the the haptics of them do, does it uh is there any part of it that impedes the writing process compared to using any other medium like do you ever do you get too distracted by the machine or anything like that? yeah sometimes
1: like I mean with the one you're looking at right now, my letter of 22, which is a really beautiful typewriter that I'm using to work on a novel right now. It's got different things like the, the tab, there's a little tab that activates the bell that lets you know that you're nearing the end of your line. And that when I do the carriage return and go back to the, to the start of my line, it kind of catches on that, on that bell tab a little bit, which it shouldn't, it should be a very smooth Thing. So sometimes I just sit there thinking about like, I wonder why that's like in the way or right. cause you know, if, if all my machines were in perfect working order, which some of them are in perfect, perfect working order, uh, then I kind of don't have that, but I'll sit there and think, Oh, I could improve this by doing this. Or I wonder if this needs a bit more cleaning. That type slug is moving a little slowly. So it's, there's always distractions, but it, it is impeded in terms of like editing And sometimes I do type out a paragraph and I go, uh, that's not, that's not really how I meant to say that. So then you have to ask yourself, do I need to say it? Is, is the difference in my mind important enough that I can retype this or, uh, or is the essence of what I need to say contained there? And will it, will, is it something that I'll be able to refine in the editing process?
0: So you refine it still not on a typewriter
1: no absolutely not I'll scan all the pages into a computer and edit it uh, afterward the use of the typewriter is purely it's like blinders on a horse like all I can do on this machine really is write that's the only function I can uh, use it for so it, it uh, serves as almost a vehicle which I you know which carries me into the story
0: And he's yawning now, which I didn't do throughout my interview no, for him. I'm sorry. It's later now, though. Um, do you think... And this might just be like a no. Do you think that the end product of your writing is changed compared to using a computer? Not even in terms of being improved, but do you think using a typewriter impacts the style of what you type at all? Uh, yes, I think so. Um.
1: I think that it encourages um, more judicious word choice and maybe more modesty in my writing. When when I would write primarily on a computer, it would be a lot of floundering around and spell check trying to find the spelling of some large word. Right. And now that I'm using a typewriter, if I'm not fairly confident that I'm like close. To the proper spelling of this word, I just won't. You'll use a it. synonym. I'll use a synonym, something a bit plain or whatever. Right. So I think in that regard, it does change um, my writing. It just—I think it makes you a bit more modest, and because you're operating completely under your own steam. Sure. Um, so I think that, I think that yeah, it
0: keeps you a little bit more humble, maybe. Right. So in terms of doing the researching obviously you do a lot of researching on typewriters my and stuff my nose is running like crazy I can't um, that's why you brought the Kleenexes I
1: didn't bring Kleenexes oh no I just blew my nose on some toilet paper I'm we can
0: cut, cut the- this out I don't feel like talking while you're gone oh. okay that was fast Okay. I was preparing to sit down and do something on my phone I'm well. I'm sitting down anyways <laughs> um, sit down on the floor yeah blow your nose quietly please that is not too bad it's just like a little drip Yeah, just running it. like crazy so I guess those were my core questions about the writing process regarding a typewriter but I do have other external questions that I'm just curious about so in the course of doing research on typewriters were there any artists that you got either into and had never been into before or that you got more into just because of their use of typewriters like you're like I gotta check this guy out because I know that he used a typewriter
1: no no, I don't think I'm so. I'm surprised, but, actually.
0: But it it's interesting to see which um, which writers did use typewriters. You had that cool uh, thing that we should post on Facebook, the picture of all the different writers' typewriters laid out. It was like Hunter S. Thompson's and oh, yeah, Hemingway's yeah. and Cormac and McCarthy's all laid out.
1: And the fact of the matter is a lot, well, all
0: of the classic
1: writers use typewriters. Because what else are they going to use? Well... No, I mean, it's, their work stead the test of time. But that's this is the thing when you read like Hemingway, that was all written on a typewriter, and the dude also typed with two fingers standing up. That's really as well. Yeah, he had some sort of war injury, and especially in his later years, it pained him to sit down for long periods of time. So he was typed standing up. Uh, Cormac McCarthy is, I guess, somewhat famous just because his his original typewriter sold at auction for. You should Google it. I want to say it's like 324000 Canadian dollars or something like that. Uh, Cormac McCarthy being my favorite author, probably, uh, who typed all of his books on one single typewriter and claimed that his only maintenance was blowing it out with compressed air every once in a while. Thomas Pynchon, who has used a, a letter of 22, very similar to the one I've got over there for like all of his novels uh hunter s thompson who used an ibm selectric typewriter which is which would have been a very up-to-date and like modern machine at the time but so the none of these guys except for like maybe mccarthy and i guess Pynchon now although who knows he could write with a computer most of these guys were not doing it to be quirky or anything like that it was just kind of what they used awesome. so it didn't really inform my
0: my choice of of who to read $254,500 mm. is what his typewriter brought. American, Right. His uh, Olivetti uh, letter of 32. 32. Yeah. So he bought it for $50 and used it to type all his novels. Yeah, including several unpublished wow. ones as well. So, no,
1: I, it didn't really sway me at all. I mean, I just I found it interesting to read up on what different kinds of authors used because yeah. the different... A lot of them, like Pynchon or McCarthy, use these little, frail-looking, portable typewriters. And then some other authors use these... Hunter S. Thompsons is like massive. a tank. They're huge. Uh, so that, that's just kind of interesting. Maybe from a psychological standpoint. Uh, maybe just as a
0: curiosity. Right. Um, so I guess I have two questions left. And this has been good because our questions have been radically different um i guess my first question is do you think if you had never gotten into writing in the first place do you think there's a possibility you would have gotten into typewriters do you think you would find typewriters do you think you would find typewriters interesting as a non-writer Absolutely not. You don't think so? Absolutely not. It's interesting though because it's not like you need them to write. Like there are other no. ways that you can write. Well, the way
1: I got into them was that I was looking for a distraction free method of writing. Because I would be sitting in this very room at this very computer that we're now using to record at like, you know, twelve thirty, one in the morning, and I would I would sit down and I'd say to myself, Okay, let's write one page. And I'm not talking about one eight and a half by eleven page, I'm talking about one formatted like five by eight page yeah. with margins yeah it's not that much and i'd sit down and try and write that and i'd find myself drifting off oh let's uh let's go through my file manager let's look at uh, let's look at my photos i've got a lot of photos here i could look at uh different jewelry pictures i've say that i found some man, man crushes some man crushes some girl crushes uh, some memes you know just old photographs of myself and I would just find myself floating through the nether nether world of this computer. And so I just was looking for a distraction-free typing machine. And there's like something that came out and looked it was called the Heming Wright.
0: Oh, I remember and that.
1: It's like it's like a laptop, but all it has is a really crappy word processor. And I looked at it and the thing looked chintzy and crappy, and I was like, well, it's portable, I'd be able to write with it, and then I just USB everything over. And but then it I forget what the price tag was, it was something stupid and I won't forget that. And then I was looking at laptops, but then I thought, that's not gonna work either. I'm just gonna end up wandering around in the guts of this of its programming late at night. And so very, very, very reluctantly, and with like almost a sense of like shame, I started looking at typewriters because that to me was, it was like, like the only other option. It but no, well no. Typewriters are at the apex of, you know, the hipster summit. Right, as our film cameras. Nothing could be more hipster than a typewriter. Film cameras have got to be up there. They they're up there, but they're not cuz a typewriter is just so antiquated. It's so useless and so outdated that there is no reason why you need one to function right right but it was just they're cheap they're very very well made especially up to like standards of how things are made now these are machines that are actually built to last and same with film cameras and it's really yeah it's very much reflected in like that 22 over there with this stupidly rugged aluminum chassis that's on that thing right and it's wicked
0: tough Hemingway is $400 US, by Four,
1: the way. It's $400, and you could buy a completely refurbished Royal Quiet Deluxe in, like, a rare color, like pink or blue or something, for that kind of money. And it's just—and it's crappy, the Hemingway. It looks like garbage. Yeah, it looks really ugly. Yeah, it's super ugly. Um, interesting. So, no, there's no way I would have gotten into typewriters if I wasn't a writer.
0: So, final question— uh, I just got a text from mom saying, <laughs> um, final Good night. Final question. Mom. If you're is, listening to this. This has been a very uh, incomplete interview, but we could just take all day. Um, I, and I thought this would be kind of fun. Using your collection of typewriters, build the ultimate typewriter, like using different components from components different typewriters. Though? Like I would like the – I don't even know all the different components. I would like the platinum from this one. I would like the chassis from this one.
1: No, this is – This is tough because one of the things that I love about typewriters is, and you've experienced this a little bit, but you haven't typed on my two newest, like, darlings of my collection, which would be an Olivetti Letter of 22. And also, we should post pictures. I only
0: typed on two of them.
1: We should post pictures We'll post a few assorted pictures. Because it's kind of fun. I feel like Mm -hmm. people might like that. We'll post them on our Facebook page. You can check them out if you're just curious to see what we're talking about. But you haven't typed on the Letter of 22, which is one of my favorites, or the... Uh, Olympia SM9 which is one of my favorites and the thing that I love about typewriters is that they're like cars or they're like guitars or I'd imagine cameras no two feel the same and it's often an intangible thing like the letter 22 the keys feel very stilted and and you really have to jab them whereas my brother typewriter the keys feel very forgiving and clunky, and it never skips. It's not temperamental at all, uh, and you can just really go to town on it. Like, you can attack that thing. And then the SM9 feels very soft and, like, almost luxurious, and it, it's very smooth going. But um, I'd probably take the looks of the 22. The I love the carriage return on the Brother. It's very smooth and very fast. And uh, I like the bell sound of the SM9. And uh, and definitely the shift of the 22, because it has a nice light shift. And probably the tab, the tabulator, and the other sort of features of the SM9, because it's got more features. That would probably be... You would want a more feature-laden
0: one, not like stripped down?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, the the 22 has pretty much all the features you could want. I mean, it's got tab, mm-hmm. which is actually very useful because now when I write on the Brother, I go to a new paragraph and go... on the space mm-hmm. bar, like, five times. One, two, three, four, five. Because that's what I do for my indent. But, yeah, and I, I I really like the carriage return arm on the Brother, too. I'm not quite sure why. It, there's something about... There's something about with typewriters and cameras to an extent, but less so. Like, you could you could do just a study on just the shape of the... So just for those of you who don't know, as you write on a typewriter, the page is held in a in what's called a carriage and it moves along in front of you as the letters punch onto it, right? And then it reaches the end of the line and then you hit the carriage return arm, you push it and you push it back across to the beginning of the next line. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And the shape of that carriage return arm, which is the thing that you push... Like you, you know what it looks like on my other machines. Like they differ very drastically just in terms of form, but Uh they all serve the same function. And it's what, that is part of what I find really appealing about typewriters is just the massive aesthetic and design differences that are there from machine to machine, but they all, it's, it's really just a subjective thing. Do you like the feel of this more? that kind of thing you, right. can't, you can't have like a better return arm it's just whatever you prefer sure yeah Yeah. and I think that that's really just kind of fun it's a joyful thing
0: yeah and I think that's with cameras and typewriters they both have there are components to each that can be objectively better or worse but a huge portion of it comes down to personal preference which is probably a big part of our of the allure of both of them to us yeah but yeah I think that's a natural stopping point.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Um,
1: <clears throat> let us know if you liked this. Let us know if you didn't. Let us know if, if you didn't you listen to stuff. this. Yeah. If, if you didn't listen to this. Don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like when your par- you'd be like, Mom, can we have ice cream? Mom doesn't answer. And then be like, Mom, if you don't say anything, I take that as a yes, we can have ice cream. And then your your mother always hears you after you say that. Yeah. So close he goes, no yeah uh, yeah let us let us know you oh, can you can shoot us you can shoot us an email at Goodship Brothership the Goodship Brothership at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook Facebook at the Goodship just search us or or on Instagram as well at you can just Goodship us. I believe so. Or is it TGSB pod I'll check good uh, let us know what you think of this new idea for a bit more of a flexible format. wait I already know it's brothership.pod uh brothership dot pod brothership dot pod mm brothership i'm not sure pod. how i feel about that it's brothership dot pod yeah i guess so uh let us know what you think of this more relaxed kind of kind of uh topic <laughs> net i don't know yeah discussion and, uh yeah and please 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 suggest any uh ideas you might have for Discussion topics or reviews, yeah, both. Anything, uh, we would be more than happy to to discuss anything. And I know people probably mean to, and then they forget, or or they think, eh, it's not that interesting, or they've probably heard it, probably seen it, whatever. But seriously, we, you know, we we'd be very glad to oblige a request. And Caleb, we have your requests, and we will discuss them as well in the next in the coming episodes I suppose until then I'm Grant and that was Jason and we love you that's disgusting
0: (laughs) a little kissy for the little (laughs) fans okay I should probably go to bed actually I want to try to beat the four kings real quick This person has a corgis named S'mores, and
1: it's the color of S'mores. (laughs) All corgis are the color of S'mores.
0: But this one has black, too, for the chocolate. A lot of corgis have black. I don't Mm -hmm. understand. Well, a lot of them are just the marshmallow. Also, grab (laughs) that.